Weekly Spot. You are tuned into episode 102. The season is upon us, or the preseason, I should say, is upon us. By the time you're listening to this, we will have a game that exact night, the Hall of Fame game between the Cowboys and the Steelers. Um, may not be too exciting. Preseason, you know, we all know how that is, but we're excited to at least have football back and on television, maybe look at some uh, rookies, see what's what's shaking out on these teams here. But before we dive into that, we're going to talk we're going to talk preseason, of course. We're going to talk about Carson Wentz, who probably won't be the quarterback for the Colts, at least for the first half of the season. Um, and then a few other pieces of news here. But I uh, got my co-host Matthew Durgan here with me. How you doing, man? I am doing great. Like you said, football is back. So there's nothing nothing to be sad about. Once football is back in the world, that means the fall weather is coming. I love fall, so let's get to it. Let's get to it. Yeah, and I saw like Hard Knocks reduce or uh, release yep. the trailer today. It's pretty cool. The next and first all one, stuff's yeah, coming back. Next week will be the first episode, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It, are you more of a Hard Knocks guy, or are you the uh, all or nothing Amazon guy? I. The all or nothing that whole series they do for soccer they did it for the uh, all blacks new zealand rugby team that's i think better because it's more of like a picture of the season but yeah. I like hard knocks because it's a nice little intro to football get gets it warmed up gets it going and then it's also quicker only five episodes compared to all or nothing which is like you know, eight to ten episodes maybe even more but um yeah i've I'm, heard I'm, mixed things so it's it's kind of divisive but you know what were you gonna say? You see, you were gonna pick one. I was like, Hard Knocks is the classic too. That's been around yeah. since like 2000. So yeah, stick with that one. I think I agree with you. I like Hard Knocks. The the one knock on Hard Knocks, no pun intended, <laughs> is you know I think I've heard Casey say this actually. Casey's not with us today, by the way. If you're if you're tuning in, he's not being super quiet. He's just not here. <laughs> um, but the the one complaint I've heard about Hard Knocks versus like All or Nothing is like I don't care about these guys. Like I'm yeah. following like, but that's also why it's exciting because these are people who are like out there like fighting for a job too. So yeah. um, there's a story there which I, I think is interesting, and their production value is really good oh, at yeah. HBO. So um, excited for that, but more so excited <laughs> for football just being back. Something you know on television. We're getting close to like preseason or. Uh, not preseason, fantasy drafts are going to be happening. Mm-hmm. We'll have some coverage for you on that. I'm sure we'll have some episodes out all about fantasy. Um, but first, I mean, we have this matchup coming up Thursday night between the Steelers and the Cowboys. Um, do we expect anything from them? Are we going to see any starters? I mean, Dak Prescott's already said he's not making the trip. So yeah, he's, that's he's, out. He's hurt. I wouldn't definitely, Big Ben's probably not going to play at all during the preseason. Yeah. I, I would not think that we see anybody play uh, either side. That's kind of normally how the Hall of Fame game is. But, you know, it's a chance for these guys, these rookies, these second-year guys to make a name for themselves. Every game in the preseason, as much as it doesn't matter for the fans and for the team, I guess, it matters for the individuals on the team. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like we just said, people are fighting for jobs out here. So mm-hmm. um, there's definitely an appeal to that. And I always like, I mean, even, you know, like I've been watching NBA Summer League recently, yep. which just started. Um there's something cool about just watching like the young guys who are kind of learning and finding their way, and then also just seeing what you have in the prospects that your team drafted or picked or traded for, whatever it may be, um, that are playing. And, and that's most likely what we're going to see probably with the Cowboys and the Steelers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be rooting for the Steelers. I mean, I just have to, right? <laughs> like that's that's just the code. But um, you know, I'll be I'll be watching. I'll be I'll have it on in the background probably. I don't know. I'll exactly. Be, uh, yeah. Do, do, do some work. Look up once in a while. See what's going on. Okay. And back to work. Oh, touchdown! Cool. Back to work. Yeah, it's 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 a background type of game for sure. And then as preseason starts coming in full swing, you know, then I'll pay a little bit more attention, especially to my team, the Eagles, yes. and everything. But 
Um, what do, what do you think about the preseason as a whole? Mm-hmm. You know, how much stock should we? We've seen you know situations where players break out in the preseason or um, players struggle in the preseason. How much stock should we take into that? I mean, in, you know, in terms of the competition, in terms of um, the amount of reps players are getting, what? How important is the preseason? And then also, how much stock should you take in like players and how they play? Yeah, I'm a guy who I think the preseason matters more than what the average person thinks. Um, mm. But it's all about context. If you have one guy out there who's going up against the twos, he should be dominating if you think he is a high-level player. So for guys like rookies in their first, second year, it matters more because this is their first time going against guys who are not at a college level or at a level equal or above them. And if they can play well then it's a huge thing. For a veteran, it doesn't really make a difference. One example I'm going to use here, of course, he's in the Niners, is Trey Lance versus Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, his job will not be affected by the way he plays in preseason. His job will be affected, though, if Trey Lance comes in and dominates the twos, gets them run against the ones, and dominates against them and plays very well against them. So he had the chance to make a name for himself as a young guy, but if you're an established veteran, you know who you are. A preseason game is not going to change how people think of you, how your team thinks of you. So it's all about context. Also, like I mentioned, you know, if a guy's a second-round pick and he's going up there beating up on undrafted rookie free agents, that means nothing to me. But if he goes there and he beats, you know, a starter that's been in the league for four or five years, okay, that I'll take away. Because every year, every team has one guy who comes out of nowhere and has a great preseason, and the fans are like, oh, this guy has got to make the team. He, mm-hmm. He's our future. And then he gets cut. And people are like, what, what's happening? And then no one picks him up because it's all about context. So when a guy is out there in the fourth quarter, you know, getting three sacks, it doesn't matter as much as you might think it does. Yeah, there's always going to be those flash-in-a-pan type mm-hmm. situations. Um, usually at skill positions, they kind of break out yeah. and do some crazy stuff. But that that speaks to that level of competition that we were sort of discussing Um the, yeah, I mean, I agree with you in terms of the veterans and like nobody's going to make or break their their job in, in the preseason. I think, you know, we saw it recently just with how COVID affected it. But there's something to be said about the preseason letting these veterans or just players who are going to contribute regularly get into that game shape, get used to hitting other players at, you know, game speed um, versus practice, which are totally different things. Even if you scrimmage against other teams, it's never going to be the same as when you're in an actual yep. NFL game and, and you know, somebody's running at you full speed so i think that's sort of the underlying benefit of of preseason really but i mean you got to balance that because one injury as we're going to talk about here for uh durgan's favorite team the colts <laughs> can kind of make or break things so you gotta you gotta balance that with you know getting people in game shape getting them reps and and used to being in a contact situation and then also staying healthy so um do you have any other thoughts on preseason before we, we uh, move on here to my guy Mr. Carson Wentz. Let, let's just tackle Carson Wentz. Let, let's get the... You know. No, don't tackle Carson Wentz. You might get hurt again. <laughs> you might. You don't want to tackle him too hard here. Like you can't touch him at all. Yeah, you can't touch him at all, clearly. I mean, th- there's a few things I, I'm you know, curious as... I have my own opinion of, of mm. Carson Wentz, yes, obviously. Um, and it's going to differ than than others just because of you know watching him on the Eagles and kind of that whole roller coaster ride. But um, I'm curious also just in terms of perception. I mean... Can we say he's injury prone at this point? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely okay. injury. I mean, the the ACL injury he had second or third year, you're the Super Bowl. That that happens. Whatever. Then he gets hurt like enough for that, and now he's hurt again. And if you get three somewhat major injuries in a five six year window, that makes you injury prone. Um, but 
good news for him is that he'll be back at some point this season. But saying that he's out 5 to 12 weeks is the most preposterous injury timetable I've ever seen in my life. That is a huge difference that the Colts are giving out for him. Also for Quentin Nelson, who is the best lineman in the league possibly. So that's a huge uh, injury for the Colts as well. Um, but it's tough. Yeah, I mean, if it's five weeks, he's back before the first game, which is great news. If it's 12 weeks, he's missing the first seven games. And if you look at the Colts' schedule, their first five games are brutal. Seattle, Rams, Titans, Dolphins, Ravens. That is one and four, I think, at best at this point. Even with Carson Wentz, that might be a one and four stretch. I had them going to the playoffs this year, and I had them going one and four in that stretch. So (laughs) I don't think that his injury, I mean, I'm worried about it because it's Carson Wentz and he's always injured. But I don't think it's a death sentence for the Colts if he comes back in like week three or four. Comes back week seven, week eight, then it might be a problem. Uh, same with Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson injury, I think, is worse because he's the one clearing gaps for Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines to run through. Uh, so I, I'm going to reiterate, it's not doomsday for the Colts, but it's a worrisome trend that you just invested a, a you know, best case scenario for them. A second round pick could be a first round pick if he plays enough. Uh, for a guy who's very expensive and he's already missing time. And he's missing a lot of reps with his receivers that he hasn't had to, to build a relationship with yet. So when he comes back, he's going to jump right to the fire with guys that he might know just by hanging around the locker room these next few weeks, but that timing might not be there. Yeah, and, and you know, his very average receivers, I might add. Yes. I've, I, I've given my spiel on this podcast <laughs> numerous times about why I don't believe in the Colts and then also why I don't think Carson Wentz is this some some sort of savior that's going to come in and make the Colts any better than they were with Phillip Rivers. Um, listen, they're going to they're gonna struggle with or without Carson Wentz, in my opinion. So losing Carson Wentz, it's bad, but I don't know like how how bad it is because they're they're again my view of Wentz as a whole is low. not is a little low just based on you know prior experience and what I've seen from him I wasn't expecting much to begin with so I don't know I mean who do you have coming in starting now is it going to be Jacob Eason I mean he's the odds on favorite I assume I mean he's the only guy that's been in that locker room and that system for more than one year and Jacob yeah. Eason is the guy drafted Last year, and he was a guy seen as a project. Um, so it was Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, who was a sixth-round pick, and Brent Hundley, who's you know a camp arm at this point. Sam Ellinger is a guy who, I, I'm not trying to be mean here, but I think he'd be better off playing tight end than quarterback based on his skill set. So it's going to be Jacob Eason, who's talent-wise is off the charts. Strong arm, uh, can do it all, but not accurate. And if you're a team like the Colts, that's the opposite of what you need. You need a guy who's accurate, who can hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, make short, quick throws. Um, so that's not really Jacob Eason's style. Uh, and like I said, that beginning of the schedule is not favorable to him at all. I mean, Seattle, I mean, their defense isn't like what it once was. Uh, but you have a lot, of, a lot of road games in the beginning. Uh, three, three, weeks three, four, and five are all on the road. So you need Carson Wentz back at some point in that stretch uh, or else it's going to be very trouble. And we mentioned fantasy earlier. A lot of people were pushing Jonathan Taylor's stock down based on the Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson injury, uh, hmm. which is interesting in my opinion. I think that it's kind of the same, same thing with uh, Kamara. I said last week, 
He's going to get a lot more touches because he is the focal point of that offense. But if everything around you is kind of collapsing and defenses are focusing on you, it might be tougher to run. So it's kind of a catch-22. See what happens there. Um, but I'm higher on the Colts than you are. But if you can put money on the Titans to win the division, I think right now is a good time. Yes. Well, right now might be the worst time. You've That's hopefully true. already That's did true, at this actually. point because then your odds did went last way week. up. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, I think I agree with your second sentiment regarding, like, if we're talking fantasy, Jonathan Taylor, I, I think this is bad for him personally because all the pressure is going to be on him now in terms of defenses mm-hmm. and how they scheme. Um, I have a, There's a note here, and I'm going to just kind of steal it from Casey. This is all Casey's sort of thought here, but... Um, when NFL defenses realize that you can't throw, it really doesn't matter who you have or how good you, you have, what kind of yeah. player you have at running back. The field condenses immensely. It happened to the Saints last year when Breeze had no arm. happened to the Steelers when Big Ben was struggling um, with uh, James Conner and whoever else. Had, what is the... Benny Snell. Benny, Benny Snell. Um, it happened at the end of the year to the Panthers too. Yeah. We've seen it happen before. I feel like the culture prime candidate to be in a similar situation. Um, and, you know, if, if Eason comes in and surprises, that's one thing, but if he's, you know, what we think and a little bit predictable, that offense becomes kind of predictable and they're literally just running the ball the entire game. Um, I, I, I think they're going to be bad. Like, I think they're going to be zero and five. to start I would, the season. Yeah. But the thing is like, as crazy as it sounds, if they start zero and five, their division isn't strong. So if they go zero and five, I think they can still flip. A nine and seven. After the first five weeks, I'm looking at their schedule. Of course, they play Tennessee, um, play Tampa Bay, which is going to be a loss. But San Francisco, Arizona. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they split that. I wouldn't be shocked if they could beat New England or the Las Vegas. And they play like the Jets. They play the worst team in the league, probably the Houston uh, Texans. So it it comes down to how fast Wentz and both him and Nelson can come back. If they can come back week two or three. I'm not saying they're going to win those games early in the season, but that's going to make everything so much easier and make their offense so much more dynamic. Because uh, right now, their offense, Jacob Easton can throw deep, but he's not going to make that offense dynamic at all. You honestly might be better off doing what I said that Saints to do with Taysom Hill now that um, Michael Thomas is out. Get Sam Ellinger in there, and this runs in power football. Because Sam Ellinger and Jonathan Taylor... They might not get, you know, a lot of big yards, but they will hurt you every single time they touch the ball. Four or five yard gains. Chew the clock. The Colts defense is pretty good. So we're going to see what's going to happen here, but it's not a good step for Wentz's journey back to being a relevant quarterback. And I'm putting it yeah, on. No, go ahead. Finish your I thought. Saying, I, I'm a believer in Carson Wentz. I said he was a top five quarterback in five years last year. So I got to give him one more chance before I sell all my stock on him. Yeah, you should just sell while you still have <laughs> stock. Um, uh, listen, as for, uh, taking it back kind of to the narrative of just injury prone and, and Carson Wentz and, you know, is he injury prone? I'm a little torn, no pun intended. Um, I, I I feel like the, the issue to me is when I, when I think a player's injury prone, I think like Todd Gurley, right? Where it's like one thing that nags them, like it's a knee thing, right? For instance, Carson Wentz, pretty much every injury he's had, they've all been bad, different, different but they're spots. sort of like isolated yeah. injuries. I, I think he's just unlucky as fuck. Like honestly, yeah. like really unlucky in in a multitude of different injuries, and uh, they've just happened to be like big injuries that have impacted him at really inopportune times. Like right now, fresh start on the Colts, 
gets injured, right? Like right when they're maybe getting into the a, a potential groove, according to Durgan's beliefs. Um, and then you look at like when he when he tore his ACL, like that was the Super Bowl season that he tore his ACL right yeah. before the end of the season. Um, so really, I think he's just unlucky more than he is injury prone. But it's hard because it's definitely a pattern at this point. I mean, he's been injured almost every single season. So yeah. Um, you know, it's hard not to call someone injury prone when they get injured that much, but it's also hard to call them injury prone when you look at the individual injuries and and that they're all kind of separate issues. Um, so, anyways, I think we've had enough Wentz discussion uh, to last a lifetime here. We'll we'll follow <laughs> closely, you know, as we get updates in terms of of his timetable and return because five to twelve weeks is a pretty wide range. Yeah. So I'm hoping at some point they'll have a better idea in terms of how he's healing. I'm sure they will. Um, so. We shall see, and that will kind of determine the Colts' season, potentially. Uh, let's go on to our next topic here. With the NFL Hall of Fame this weekend, um, let's talk about some of the inductees and, and uh, our thoughts on them and any fond memories we might have. Yes, so they're doing both the 2020 and 2021 uh, this year induction. Uh, 2020 will be Saturday, and 2021 will be on Sunday. Uh, last year, COVID knocked it out, and even though cases are spiking back up again, it appears they're going to do it again outside like they normally do. Uh, so 2020, that year, we'll knock that one out first. This is a bigger year than most years because it's a centennial uh, Hall of Fame class. Of course, didn't get to have their speech last year. Uh, some notable names that, you know, guys that were part of our era and weren't playing in the 60s and 70s when we weren't even a thought in our parents' head at that point. Uh, it's guys <laughs> like guys like Steve Atwater, Isaac Bruce, uh, Bill Cower, Steve Hutchinson, Edron James, Jimmy Johnson, the coach, Troy Polamalu, uh, Paul Tagliabue, who was the longtime commissioner. Uh, so tons of names here uh, compared to most years. But to me, Troy Polamalu is the cream of the crop. Yeah. I Troy mean, Polamalu... My uh, brother-in-law is a huge Steelers fan, so I I would grow up watching watching him, and he stands out on the field because you see that hair, hair. you yep. you know where he is at all times. Uh, but not just that; I mean, he's a, he was a phenomenal safety. So he was almost like Tyron Matthew is now, but like on crack, like literally <laughs> everywhere you looked on the field, he was making a play. There he was blitzing. If he was in coverage, he was as always on the field. So I mean, you'd unless you were a Ravens or Browns fan. There's no way you did not like Troy, Troy Palmolio. Yeah, and he sort of normalized like like NFL like TV sponsorships too to a degree. Yes. Like he's been in so many Head and Shoulders commercials. It still like, is. It still is. Like him and OBJ, I think. Yeah. Are, are Mahomes, in them together? Mahomes now. Yeah. Oh, Mahomes, Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember the context of that, but the, yeah, they're definitely in a commercial together for that. Uh, Troy Palmolio, he always seemed like a cool dude as well. Just mm-hmm. very down to earth as far as. Uh, professional athletes oh yeah oh yeah definitely and the guy i want to shout out because he was incredibly underrated his whole career is isaac bruce and i didn't get to watch too much of the greatest show on turf with him uh kurt warner tory holt ballers marshall falk that was the early 2000s and i was still young but isaac bruce if he acted like terrell owens we would see him in a different light but the guy who just shut up went out there and played hard every single week. And he ended up being one of the best receivers of all time. I think he's second in all-time receptions, which is, like, crazy to imagine. Wow. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe not Larry Fitzgerald has taken over, but he's up there uh, in terms of receptions and reception yards. And the guy, like, the average fan knows who he is, but he's not, like, a household name. Like, if I went to go to my mom right now and said, hey, mom, like, 
Terrell Owens or Isaac Bruce. You'd be like, oh yeah, I know who Terrell Owens is, but I have no idea who Isaac Bruce is. That's kind of like the problem with them. It's that receivers who are good and remembered are the loudmouth divas. And guys like him who went about their business, unless you're, you know, Jerry Rice, don't get recognized. But glad to see him in the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah. And I think he has over like 15,000 career yards or something, which is wild because, you know, you look at the list of people who have accomplished that and you know every single other player, like you mentioned, Durgan, you know Mm. all the other people on this list. It's Jerry Rice, it's Larry Fitzgerald, T.O., I think Randy Moss, Moss, um, and then Isaac Bruce. And a lot of people don't know who he is. So it's interesting. um, It's interesting that you brought that up. Of course, sort of he's not that diva or that like star sort of mentality. Um, but definitely one of the most talented to play, so good to see him get in. And he played in an era where they didn't pass the ball as much as they do now. True. So, so a, lot yeah. of guys, a lot of guys now, they're going to get up there in terms of records because of volume and because the quarterbacks are now the king. Back then, their offenses were balanced as balanced could be. It was, we're going to run the ball 30 times, we're going to pass the ball 30 times, if that mm-hmm. even. So mm-hmm. it's a completely different game than it was now. I mean, if Jerry Rice and Isaac Bruce played in that kind of mindset back when they did their records would be even crazier than they are now yeah well what's wild is jerry rice's record is still crazy no one is catching him in terms of career yards like dude's got twenty two thousand, twenty three thousand almost that's insane uh, nobody nobody's getting up there um if you you, if you crack ten thousand, that is a heck of a career heck of a career yeah yeah yeah, yeah so, I think I'm looking at this list. I just pulled it up. The only active player with over 10,000 yards is Julio Jones. And he's like towards the end of his career. I mean, how many years does he have left? Two? Oh, no, no. I lied. Antonio Brown and Deshaun Jackson as well. Oh, well, all those guys, I mean, yeah. are towards the end of their career. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, too. I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, oh, I lied again. <laughs> I lied again. I'm sorry. Keep going. DeAndre Hopkins has 10,009 yards. Ooh. He just cracked it. So I mean, so he needs a... In order to break Jerry Rice, he has to double what he has now. That's just preposterous. I don't understand. More, Yeah, more than double. I mean, he's already been in the league seven years, so he'd have yeah. to play at the same level of production for like another 10 years, which is not, I not think it's possible. <laughs> it's not yeah. gonna, sorry, sorry, buddy. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that's wild. And, and I guess we're still counting Larry Fitzgerald as an active player. I love how like six months ago, it was like, oh yeah, he's retiring. And then we never heard it anything else besides that well it's not official right like it's it's not, it's not official it's not official but like but it's sort of official yeah it's like dude like at this point you kind of have to be like all right yeah maybe, maybe he's winning if like the cardinals someone gets hurt in the preseason because he's never gonna play yeah. anybody else besides the cardinals but it's like dude we're kind of waiting for you to retire because let's go let's do this I mean, I, if i if i was him i've probably been feeling like hey i could still play you oh, know? Absolutely. so it's hard to shut that door um, you know, but at the same time, uh, you got to move on at some point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All, All right. right. Who else, who else we got? Let's jump to the 2021 class. I feel like 21, 2021 class has less names, but more star power. And we touched on this when it, there was originally announced, but the list here it is. Uh, Alan Fanica, Tom Flores, former head coach of the Raiders, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning, Bill Nunn, Drew Pearson, and Charles Woodson. And it's so cool seeing, in my opinion, Manning and Woodson together because they're arguably the two, not the best, but of the best of their positions. And if you go way back to college, th- those were the two guys their last years. It was who's going to win Heisman, 
Manning or Woodson. Woodson's like one of the first, I think he was the first defensive uh, player to win a Heisman. He was a kick returner as well, played a little bit receiver. But those guys have kind of always been linked their whole careers. And it's tough to see guys who are linked in college as being all-time greats end up surpassing expectations and being both in the same Hall of Fame class. This is a full circle effect here. And I mean, because of Peyton Manning, once again, I don't think you can find anybody who hates Peyton Manning. He is the funniest player maybe in NFL history. Uh, he's out there, still in commercials, still everywhere you can see. Uh, I love Peyton Manning. I think he is hilarious. I mean, him and SNL, years back when he was playing, is one of the funniest episodes you'll ever see. Um, and it's tough. I don't watch too much ESPN Plus because I think it's you know, kind of a waste. You know, even I do have it. I watch his breakdowns that he does once in a while, and I'm like, okay, this guy is an actual football genius. Next level. It's absolutely next. And that this year, him and Eli are going to do like a secondary broadcast for 10 Monday Night Football games, I think. They're doing some sort hmm. of like, I don't know if it's going to be, I think it's gonna be a, kind of low-key thing where it's gonna, they're just sitting there like this talking shop and like not a play-by-play, just watching and reacting. I am one hundred percent during, during a game during, like during, live during the game, yeah. For oh, interesting. E- either eight or ten or twelve around that games this year. So huh. over half the games that they'll have on Monday Night Football, and anybody with a brain is going to watch that over the current piece of crap crew they have going on. Like that's going to oh, be absolutely. great. So yeah, maybe or if they, they do Nickelodeon again, I'll be on that for sure. Yes, yes, yes. So I mean, that's going to be very interesting. Interesting to hear, but that's besides the point. Uh, Peyton Manning. I mean, you can, you can say what you want about him, but one of the best players of all time. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I'll never forget. I think it was the 2013 season where he had like 55 touchdowns or so, and yep. he, uh, he won me my fantasy league that season. By, it was amazing. By himself. Yeah, he single-handedly carried me in a few games. So, um, yeah, definitely one of the best quarterbacks. I think, if not in the conversation for the best, I think the Super Bowls take Tom Brady uh, a little bit higher. Yeah. But um, talent-wise... Yeah. Oh, definitely yeah. one of the best. I mean, that's that's the problem when you compare all-time greats is the de facto tiebreaker or thing that puts them ahead is Super Bowls. But when you talk yeah. about like actual skill set, Tom Brady isn't probably in the top 100 quarterbacks of all time. He's just very cerebral, very you know, not right place, right time, but knows his system, knows where to go with the ball. But in terms of like actual talent and skill, I mean, Peyton Manning had a host for an arm. It was, it was not fair. He threw. 50-yard bullet passes for touchdowns to Marvin Harrison. And and why am I trying to think of the guy's name? What Reggie Wayne. Dallas yep. Clark, too. Dallas Clark, Dallas Clark, if you played today, he'd be a freaking stud. Now, tight ends are being used. But, yeah, Peyton Manning, love him. Charles Woodson, love him. Another guy, Calvin Johnson, who was the first ballot inductee, but only played, you know, nine seasons, I believe. So it's kind of the Barry Sanders effect where... He wasn't there for a long time, but he was there for a good time. Oh, he was there for a great time. Calvin Johnson, I don't know that we've ever seen or will ever seen a player with the physical profile of a Calvin Johnson. Like, he's the prototype mm-hmm. receiver that everybody always tries to compare prospects to that are big and fast because yeah. he is just in a league of his own in terms of his physical ability and combined with, combined with his skill set. Like, nobody matches that 6'5", what, 230 frame that runs like a 4'3". It's insane. Yeah. And can he, like he, catch the ball better than anyone. He ran a four three forty at the uh, combine, and it wasn't even his own cleats. He wasn't going to run, and I guess someone dared him. Someone's like, "Oh, you're scared of racing me? Like, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'll beat you." 
He grabs some guy who he just met like that day's cleats, goes out there, runs a four three at six five two thirty, like you said. Just so that's without free... like a ton of preparation too. No, he could have no, probably yeah. gone even faster. He, he's probably at his peak. He's probably a four two guy. That's absolutely insane at his size. I mean, yeah, that's wild. People think that DK Metcalf is incredible, which he is. I'm not, I'm not saying he's not. Calvin Johnson is much better athlete than DK Metcalf, in my opinion. Much oh, yeah. better. Much better. And I guarantee you, he's a better player, of course. I mean, obviously, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, it's a shame that he got no offense to Lions fans, but it's a shame that he played his whole career with the Lions. Imagine if he had a Peyton Manning or a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees. I mean, I, I don't know that it's necessarily. Because Stafford's a good quarterback. It's not he yeah. played most of his career with Stafford. It wasn't like that. I just don't think there was much else besides. I mean, they had a few good years. They had a good, good years, but he, if he had those guys, he might still be playing. If he played with a Tom Brady, True. I think he's still playing. He retired in his early 30s, and he's retired because the Lions said they weren't going to trade him, and he was so burned out from football, he was completely over it. He he would I, he's the guy. My dad always says about Jerry Rice. He can go out there right now and give you 100 yards a game. I think Calvin Johnson can go out there right now and give you 100 yards, a 1,000-yard season. That's how good he is, and that's how good a shape he still is in, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I mean, he played a lot less than some of these other guys. I'm looking at the list. Yeah. of. I'm back on this this receiving yards list, yes. and he's he's almost at 12,000 on, on his career, and he played a lot less than the people in his company, like around him. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's pretty wild what he was able to achieve in, uh, in the short career. And, you know, you can't never fault, you can't really fault him for making the decision that he did, but it would have been nice to, to see more Calvin Johnson. Cause I don't or know Calvin that we've Johnson. had anybody like him or ever will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And spoiler, I'm looking ahead at the next year's class and, um, definitely not as good as this past year. I mean, the big no. name guy, the big name guy next year. Is going to be Steve Smith from the Panthers and Ravens and his career, who very good player, Hall of Famer, but you know doesn't hold a candle to some of these guys. So this year that we're seeing with two all-time greats and Calvin Johnson, the biggest freaking nature of all time, is yep. rare, rare to see, very rare to see. I mean, we'll see it in five years possibly with Drew Brees and Larry Fitzgerald, but. Be appreciative of the Hall of Fame class this year. I normally don't watch the Hall of Fame. I'll go back and I'll, you know, fast forward. I'll DVR it, fast forward, and listen to the guys I want to listen to because it's like a seven-hour event, which is crazy. Yeah, just find it on YouTube or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the I, the one on Saturday that has like twenty guys, you had to be crazy to watch that whole thing. That's going to be ten plus. That's going to be ten plus hours. Hey. You know, people say we're crazy for watching rounds four through seven of the NFL draft too, though. And that I sit around true. and I watch that shit <laughs> year after year. I don't know why, but the day just kind of passes by, and I'm watching all these picks go by. Yes. Uh, so, so I'm sure this this is the you know this is it for some people. They just right. love the Hall of Fame, so they sit That's around true. and watch that all day. But That's uh, fair. don't forget about your guy John Lynch. He's on this list too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a big time hitter, as, big I mean, time hitter back you know, in the day. Not as illustrious of a career as the other two that you were talking, or other yeah. three you were talking about, but uh, definitely deserving. Yeah, definitely deserving. It took him, I think, eight or nine years to get in. Uh, I mean, he was very happy and appreciative. The video that the, 
one of the coolest things the Hall of Fame does is they get David Baker, who was the president of Hall of Fame, and he does the knock where he lets people know in person that they made the oh, Hall yeah, of Fame, yeah. and you see their reaction right away. Um, with John Lynch, I mean, obviously, him being an Irish GM, I've gone to like him the past few years, and fun fact about him is that um, so when I was in grad school with the USF Sport Manager Program, we had these interv- informational interviews. So I reached out to John Lynch, and he was kind enough to respond back to me uh, hmm. saying, hey, I'll, you know, of course I'll interview you, no problem. The day I was supposed to interview him, Jimmy Grappolo signed an extension. Oh. So his, his assistant emails me back, sorry. Sorry, you know, we're, not we're, happening. We're, we're, we'll get back to it, and we'll figure it out. The second I'm supposed to interview him, Ruben Foster gets arrested. I forget what oh time. My God. But what, one of the times he got arrested. So once again, and then his, his assistant responds, "Hey, can you just email the questions to him and he'll fill them out?" And I said, "Yeah, no problem." So he's been he's been very nice to me as someone who he had no business talking to. I had, I had no ambition of ever working for an NFL team myself. Uh, so he was very nice to me. So I, I, I do have an appreciation for him. But back to the knock, uh, he was just start crying. He's like, "You know, I told myself that I was never gonna." dictate my career by being a hall of famer or not yeah but man but man when you find out that you're a hall of famer everything really uh, everything feels pretty good so yeah. very very happy for him and his family nice well that's a good story too that's, that's a good story cool. yeah 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 remember, I, was um, so, I was so fired up and then like, notification on my phone both times and i'm like well this ain't happening yeah you could tell immediately when you saw it, you're like well <laughs> clearly he's gonna have his attention <laughs> yeah. elsewhere so he's, he's busy yeah um all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up here on episode 102 of the Weekly Spiral. Thank you guys for sticking in with us and tuning in. We always appreciate it. Before we head out, uh, I will give Durgan a chance to plug some content. Since Casey's not here, you can't plug any content. Uh, maybe I'll plug something for him. We'll see. But Yes. So I have a scouting report coming out next week on Keaton Slovis, who is the USC quarterback. Posted already this week, I'm predicting which active players will be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, it's pretty interesting little exercise I did. Um, Casey, I looking at his possible stuff coming out, and next tomorrow, Malik Willis sky report from Liberty. Okay, this guy right. is a interesting player. A lot of people like him already. Me and Casey, I think, are a little bit cooler than everybody else, but he is the uh, Kyler Murray type athlete in this class. Interesting. All right. And I'll plug something else just because I think it was super cool, but he did a breakdown on Ryan Tannehill and yes. like how he basically turned his entire career around, which was fascinating. So check that out. It's on YouTube. Uh, you can just search Weekly Spiral and you'll find us. Um, but without further ado, let's wrap things up there. This has been a Weekly Spiral production, bringing you fresh football every single week. Thank you again for sticking with us. We really appreciate the support. We hope whatever else you get up to, it is awesome. And we'll catch you next week for episode 103.